0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 237 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. Um,
1: I decided about a week or so ago Mm. that I was not going to use the heat in my house or the air conditioning in my house until, until I got a job. And I did not realize that it would be biting me in the ass so quickly, because we are now February 13th, and it's 172 degrees in this this
0: podcasting studio. April 13th. But I do that all the time, too. When I, you know, as part of my super secret science job, I have to tell people dates. And so many times I see April, and I see the number four for the month of April, but I say February. You did just I say February. February. You did say February
1: oh geez I didn't realize but yeah you get my drift but I do
0: get your drift
1: <laughs> like it's it's a it's a thousand degrees in here I might if you hear a, a belt buckle undo at some point during this podcast don't think anything of it I'm just taking my pants off
0: guys I it's I, I did that before we started the official show you know what I mean <laughs> all right good to know because I got a fancy belt for Christmas it's less of a buckle and it's more of like a latch than anything else
1: <laughs> it's got a lot of elastic straps on it
0: uh, it's like a ratchet strap, almost.
1: <laughs> Securing a load, make sure it's yeah. nice and tight. <laughs> oh,
0: no, you ain't kidding. Um, but I'm kind of of the same mindset. Like, this is the sweet spot where we don't have to have the heat on, Really? Mm-hmm. But we don't have to have the air on just yet, even though, like, there's been two days in the last seven days. And we didn't talk—we haven't talked weather on uh, <laughs> Long here Hero After Dark and forever, so I guess we have to talk about it here, you know?
1: Yeah, we got a quarterly discussion in here.
0: I guess. Um, but it's been like—but the problem is, it's hot during the week, and then it gets to the weekend. It's like, no, it's 50 and rainy, you know? uh uh-huh. So I can't make the official pull yet one way or the other. Like, I'm not going to turn the heat back on this weekend, right? No, that's what blankets Um, are for. Yeah, and I'm not going to turn the air on just yet, you know. Um, I'm going to get one month where both the heat and the electricity bill are, like, super low, and it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I have Deathmatch King crowns to buy, so I have to
0: save my money. (laughs) Good lord. (laughs) But no, it's it's not consistently hot yet, you know, so I think you could wait until then. Yeah, the last two days have been bad, though. Like I said, it's gonna be not. It's you know, it's getting back down to the fifties and rainy this weekend. But you know, the 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 twenty five minutes that we live apart is like two completely different climates. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I get snow. You don't. Right. Well, it's not fair. I have Todd come
0: over and, and bulldoze my car out. Mm, yes. Before he goes and does the parking lot of the Cinnabon. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Uh so hey. Um well well you know what we'll get to that in the Patreon plugs. We plugged it a little bit last week. Uh let's get into the show, eh? Let's do it. And now Ad Odds
2: with Wrestling presents this day in wrestling history.
0: (laughs) So we're gonna jump around a little bit with this day in wrestling history, okay? All right. Uh, I saw two things today a lot of people were talking about, but one thing uh, not a lot of people were talking about. And I feel it's relatively as important, okay? Mm. So on this day in wrestling history, 23 years ago, at a house show in Indianapolis, Indiana, an ECW house show, Mike Awesome, who was then the ECW Heavyweight Champion, but a contracted WCW employee, Lost the ECW title to Taz, who was a WWE contracted employee.
1: Hmm. Forbidden Door version 1.0.
0: Yes, this is um at least the you know a more recent version of that. But yes, there was lots of legal hurdling and wranglings and so forths to go through with all of that. Um, only for it to pay off in an episode of SmackDown where it was Taz as the ECW champion against Triple H as WWE champion, and, well, I'm sure you could guess how that went.
1: I'm sure it was a 50-50 match that left people wanting more, lots of question marks at the end. You know, Taz almost was champ-champ.
3: hmm
1: <laughs> What was the reasoning why, and I'm sure I've heard this story, but I like hearing your versions of things, of why, out of the entire ECW locker room, they had to reach out to a WWF guy? Obviously, it's Taz, but, like... Not to put anybody else over, Michael. Um,
0: so I don't recall the exact reason for it, but I definitely think it was something to do with whatever many, many WCW, ECW lawsuits were going on at that time. Um, and this was a way for ECW, like, we'll agree to have your champion come back and lose the title but it can't be to one of your regular roster members okay and because wwe and ecw were were working together in the worst kept secret in all of professional wrestling (laughs) they were like okay like there i think wcw's idea was that they were gonna have them lose it to someone who was like a wcw guy that wasn't being used um but because of whatever the wranglings were they were able to get that on taz and you know so on and so forth but it was a way for wcw to get out of one of their many lawsuits that they had with ecw
1: (laughs) all right that makes sense and mike awesome supposedly had to like run away after the match supposedly i don't know (laughs) Poor Mike, awesome. Always worried about getting his ass beat by fans and little guys in the locker room. I'm sure. I don't know you I don't know you talk about little
0: Taz, giant, you know? <laughs> um I so spe- speaking of Taz, uh on this day in 1997. So that would be if I do my gazintas here 26 years ago. <laughs> ECW held their first pay-per-view barely legal from the ECW arena. And uh, I was there. And uh, some would say that this was the beginning of the end for ECW.
1: Never before had I looked more forward to a pay-per-view, only to find out the night of that it wasn't available on my local cable operator.
0: Yep. Uh, Viewer's Choice did not carry it, and this was one of those ones where Uh, My buddies that I went to the shows with in Virginia, they were at the show as well. Their cable carrier did have it, so they taped it while they were at the show, and then when they went home that Monday, they mailed a copy of the the pay-per-view to me, and I'm pretty sure I still have that videotape, not that I have a working VCR that would play it or anything, you know? Yeah.
1: I I have the Pioneer DVD release that came Mm. out a couple years later. Gotcha.
0: Um, not a great show, but a memorable show. Um, you know, it's an experience being there live I wouldn't trade for the world. Um, you know, a bit of an uneven card. That Shane Douglas Pitbull 2 match is a stinker. Um, so much rumor and innuendo. And this was just one of those things I was thinking about today when I was going over the show notes for this. So, um, ta- it's a double main event, technically a triple main event. Of the three-way dance with Stevie, Sandman, and Terry Funk, and the winner getting the match against Raven.
4: Mm -hmm. That's
0: technically the main event. That's technically two separate matches, but they said it was a double main event. And the other part of the main event is Taz versus Sabu, the match, you know, two years in the making, whatever it is, and they do the double turn in that match, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So how much more impactful would the Taz Sabu double turn have been if the greatest double turn in wrestling didn't just happen at WrestleMania a month before? See, I don't, I
1: mean, maybe with hindsight, you're looking back at it as like a historian and having just talked about it on the podcast, but I don't feel like having experienced both of them. I, I, I didn't see the ECW one live, but I probably picked it up on the syndicated show a week or two later. Like, I don't feel like the the WWF one lessened the, the amount that I marked out over the ECW one.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get you. Like, at the time and the moment and everything else like that, you know, um, but just it's one of those hindsight things when you put everything on a calendar and we're doing this, you know, every week. We're looking at what's going on in the world of professional wrestling um, just to see that those two moments happen so close together um and like really change the outlooks for both companies you know for the better for the worse whatever mm-hmm. right um yeah i don't know um if if i had my druthers about me and the way that uh homework lined up we would have watched did we already watch barely legal for this no we watched barely legal for one of the long box heroes after darks from like a hundred years ago
1: yeah, I don't think I – I never recommended an ECW thing, and I don't think you – you definitely didn't do Barely Legal.
0: No, I think I made Todd watch it, though. <laughs> For the Gallifrey Birds? Gallifrey Birds, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the other thing – and I would say probably the bigger thing is our, our Monday Night War head-to-head uh, thing from 25 years ago uh nitro uh emanating from minneapolis minnesota um another three-hour nitro and i'll be honest with you another nothing show you know uh jericho like this is the go-home show for spring stampede i think um and jericho's pay-per-view program is prince iakea
1: hmm yeah, because last week we didn't really talk about any Jericho. We didn't have any clips to play, and I assume right. this week there's no Jericho clips to play. So I kind of feel like we were on a hot streak of the golden age of Cruiserweight Jericho, and it, now it's nothing.
0: Yeah, because the the because Prince Iakea thing is kind of like uninspired, because Prince Iakea wasn't good.
1: Yeah. Not but until he
0: became the artist. Well, yeah, he was great then. <laughs> um... But over on Raw, emanating from Philadelphia, and again, kicking myself in retrospect that I did not go to the show, um, when you look at the match listing, not a memorable show, right? You know, you've got Disciples, Disciples of Apocalypse continuing their feud with the Los Bariquas. Uh, you got Terry Funk and Too Cold Scorpio taking on the Quebecers. Uh, You got Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman taking on the new Midnight Express. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, You do have the debut of uh, Billy Gunn being named Mr. Ass. Her, Mr. Ass. (laughs) Uh, So it's 25 years ago today. But um, the bigger thing that happened was the show-long storyline that happened. All right. And I feel as though it's important enough to play on the show, okay? Let's do it.
5: With your little pajamas on, and you had this belt... Hang on. With your little pajamas on, and you had this belt strapped around your waist, and you said to your wife, Honey, how do I look as a world champion? She probably said you look like a jackass, because you do.
0: He's talking to Vince, by the way. Yeah.
5: (laughs) So I'll tell you what I'm going to do tonight. I know as a promoter, you always love the fact every time a WWF champion puts the title on the line. So tonight in Philadelphia, here on Raw, I am putting the WWF title on the line.
0: Well, who is it going to be against?
1: Maybe it's it's the Undertaker.
5: Don't ever turn your back on me. Because you never know. Even though I give you my word, I wouldn't hit you. I just might knock your damn head off.
1: Maybe it's a returning breath.
5: You're probably wondering, well, Steve, who's going to be your opponent? The way I look at it, there can only be one opponent for Steve Austin, and that is Mr. Vince McMahon. What?
0: What is he talking about? Vince, do the bug eyes and the gulp on that one? Yeah.
5: If you want to see Austin and McMahon, give me a hell Yeah.
1: I love that version of the WWF belt. I forgot
5: to ask you, do you accept the challenge or do you not?
0: Very short-lived. Yeah.
5: No
3: way.
0: Is that one SWAT team guy Kevin Dunn?
5: Let me put it to you this way. (laughs) We can do things the easy way or we can do things the hard way. Some of these people like it when I do things the hard way. So tell me what you're going to do. Give me some idea of what the what the easy way is
6: and and what the hard way is. What's your definition?
5: I'll tell you what the easy way is. The easy way is for you to handpick any WWF official back there Come back to the ring and fight Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF title. I'm giving you a chance to win it all, to win the WF title. The fact of the matter is, I could probably beat your ass with one hand tied behind my back.
0: Wow. Hmm. <laughs> interesting
5: interesting choice of words
0: there, Coldstone. <laughs> knowing what's
1: coming up, you know, great. It's historical and it's awesome. But, like, that promo in and of itself was lame.
0: Um, listen, I-, I thought it was okay, you know, obviously in retrospect, again, knowing what comes next. So, obviously, that the course of the night, we have Vince gearing up and training and different people and so forth. And then we get this moment
5: here. contest is scheduled for one fall, oh and God. it is for the World Wrestling Federation Champions. Turn your VCR, folks, ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen. The challenger. He's been the voice of the World Wrestling Federation for 25
0: years. Uh-huh. From Greenwich, Connecticut, weighing in at two. And there's the ECW mutants in the crowd. Oh, my gosh. The <laughs> one,
2: the only, Vince.
0: Big man! Look at oh Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> Do I, I look like in a tank top these Pat days? <laughs> look at that walk! That's that, I mean, uh, that that strut. Patterson,
4: Patterson needs some chapstick. Patterson needs some chapstick.
2: He's been kissing Vince's butt so long. Oh, he's this, a, he's talking right into this thing. This Vince is cute. ridiculous. This Let's, is wrong.
1: He's got Marcus's Vince favorite Roy gut And then who's
2: gonna?
0: A superior look.
1: Yeah. Easy on the calves as he stretches out in the corner. That's <laughs> pure striker and wrestling Shane coming out. Shane I agree. This is this is bad, bad, bad business. Look, you don't
4: know what McMahon's gone through all this week. You saw what happened last week.
0: Wait some Young Shane, the voice of reason.
1: <laughs> it's fun to see him not get blown up walking up the ring steps.
0: Do we have, where was it? Okay. Slaughter in there. You know, very shortly, Slaughter gets, like, ousted as a stooge, and it's just Pat and Jerry, you know? Yeah.
1: There's no Patterson there, is
0: there? Yeah, Patterson's there. Oh, okay. He's got more of a salt and pepper hair than the gray that we would know him for, you know? But we would not get the match that we were hoping for because of a young man coming out, trying to be the voice of reason.
5: And he can put you down on your A double S, just like oh, he just shoved, dude, love down. What?
0: How dare he? No, listen, I could have played like just this whole episode.
5: The world's biggest mistake. Wait a minute,
4: that's the mandible claw, dude, going for the mandible.
1: Would have been a great rib just to have that the episode of the pod this week. Just the audio from this role.
6: What the hell is this? Oh,
1: Stone Cold with his arm tied behind his back, of course.
0: Oh, and he does his dance afterwards. Why? And again, <laughs> when, was doing... the last time, when was the last time you tried that dance, Joe? Oh, never. No? No. no I don't know if it's doing. enough skills this dude love. But once um... in a while I give it a shot. It doesn't look great. Right. <laughs> but doing this in Philly is another, you know, big deal, right? Oh yeah. down.
5: seems irate that he's not gonna Oh,
2: don't call up. And I cannot believe Why is he
1: doing this? I not the call! Because I feel like Austin was one of the WWF guys that even the ECW crowd still embraced. Oh yeah. You know? And then this is their other guy, Mick, turning on him, joining a douche like Vince, you know? Get in there,
0: Well, right, like right now, Vince is acting like, what's going on? I'm surprised. Why did this happen? Yeah, you're ruining it. You're ruining it. champion. one hand behind him is getting
2: kicked out of
1: I had a wrestler try to kick me in the head like that from the ring before recently.
5: <laughs> oh,
0: well, you deserve it, I think. All right. So, Um, The significance to all this is this is the first time in the infamous 83 weeks that World Wrestling Entertainment was able to beat Nitro in the ratings. Okay. It's this angle, this show-long storyline that turned the ship around. Now, would it be consistent wins? No. Uh, Nitro would win a couple times. I think they win next week um, because it's the night after pay-per-view. You know, we're not going to go through like week by week. Oh, they won this week and they won that week or whatever it is. But I feel as though this was the turning moment. Like them having this show long storyline with Austin and Vince, which they actually don't pay off for an actual wrestling match for another 10 months. Right. Mm -hmm. They touch a bunch of times. There's a lot of physicality, but no official match for another 10 months. And, you know, Austin comes out of WrestleMania. He's got no number one contender for the title. They, they hot shot the angle, turn in Mick heel to be Dude Love. And then we get two pay-per-views out of that. But doesn't, like,
1: doesn't the WWE tell the story that it was Mick winning the world title and Shivani saying, you know, spoiling it because it was a recorded show? Doesn't WWE
0: spin it as that was the first time? No, WCW lost. Absolutely not. So that moment is WWF was already like by that time by the time that um head to head Raw Nitro happens, is toast, right? They it's not even close. And Tony makes that statement on TV and they lose like 700,000 viewers. Yeah. No,
1: so, I, I get that WCW wasn't h- hot anymore, but I feel like every time there's a talking head piece, they always refer to that as the night that it changed.
0: No, it's always they all they talk about that being WCW trying and failing to try to like you know like hey, listen, why bother to go over to them? And then they say it, and everyone's like, oh, I like Mick Foley. I want to go over and see him with the title. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, they, they they lessen the impact of Dude Love, but they heightened the impact of, like, the first Austin McMahon thing as the thing that turned the tide, even if you watch those, like, that, whatever's on the network, the Monday Night War thing. But um, this is gonna kind of more or less be the beginning of us. You know, it's kind of been building this way um, when we do the This Day in Wrestling history, but, like, a lot less WCW talk and a lot less WWF talk because, you know, there's moments that come up over the next couple months, but, like, nothing consistent for WCW. It's, you know, I, and I know all the Conrad verse shows that had WCW people on them, um, talked about this night. I haven't listened to the Tony Schiavone podcast about it. You couldn't get me to listen to an Eric Bischoff podcast if you paid me. Um, but yeah, like I'm interested to see what their spin is 25 years on versus like what their spin was then and years later and everything else like that. But you know, we, you know, we have, I think we're two weeks away, not to tip our hand, but we're two weeks away from DX invading Nitro.
1: Okay. Um, it, I was going to yeah. say, it's hard to imagine, like, there was a three-hour Nitro that you just talked about, and for a three-hour show, for there to not be one thing worth talking about, what is this, 2023 Raw?
0: mm. <laughs> well again like there's a, there's a furtherment of the Jericho Prince IKE angle which is like a low point of the Jericho feud. The the top of the angle the, the top of the card angle stuff I don't really care about. Um You know, DDP is wrestling random members of the flock as he prepares for his match with Raven at the pay-per-view. Goldberg is, you know, wrestling Barry Darso and Rocco Rock and, you know, Glacier and Jerry Flynn. You know, like, what is it really talk about?
1: Yeah. All, like, 2026 members of the Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah.
0: People, you know,
1: in a couple of years. (sighs) All right. Anything else for this day?
0: No, I think that's it, man. All right. So let's get into what we'd like to talk about from the last uh, week of professional wrestling.
1: Sure. I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm not going to go into great detail on this because, you know, it it was a match and it had match moments in it. I'm not going to break it down, but this is a match that was announced, I believe, on Friday on Rampage. And as soon as it was announced, I was like, all right, this is something I'm going to talk about because I'm super excited about this and that was Dynamite's Orange Cassidy versus Buddy Matthews. Uh, Obviously, we're both Orange Cassidy fans, me more so than you, because you're a Jeff Jarrett sympathizer. Mm. Uh, But I've always been a Buddy Murphy guy, like even back to when he was the... 205 live guy and was working the pre-shows of the pay-per-views having like great matches with you know whoever was uh allowed to contend for the 205 belt but like i like buddy i like the house of black And when this was announced i was like this has got to be a solid match and they've been setting up the thing where oc's hand is hurt They did the bit where he went to do a Superman punch last week or the week before, and Buddy blocked it with one of the trio's belts, and OC's been feeling the effects ever since. And this match was just a lot more of that. Uh, Orange Cassidy had the hand taped up, you know, know, like a little cast, a little wrap. And, you know, after a little bit of action, they had to take it off because it was hurting him. And it really affected his offense throughout the whole match. So much so that when he eventually had to figure out a way to finish the match, he ended up winning with a mousetrap, which was nice because commentary was putting over earlier like all the different ways Orange Cassidy can beat somebody. And, you know, they're mentioning like the spitting DDT and they're mentioning the Superman punch and uh, I think something else. But they never mentioned the mousetrap, which is something that I don't think he's used in a little while. It's weird because I I believe he beat somebody big with that. I wonder why they don't show the footage. Mm -hmm. But – there was uh, at no point during the match did I think Buddy was gonna win, but after a while of him just countering all of Orange Cassidy's stuff because OC had a bad hand, for a moment I had that spark. I was like, you never know, like they have a good out here because Orange Cassidy's like selling so well that his hands fucked up. But like in the end of the day, OC wins. He's on a godlike run. Uh, I want to see more, and I think you know, obviously we will, of the best friends interacting with the House of Black. And I thought this was a really good match. Uh, the best thing on Dynamite, and it should have main evented.
0: Um, you know what? I was kind of torn. Like, this match was really, really good. And I really liked the um, Darby and Swerve Strickland match more on that later. Uh, but this was the best match on TV this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, OC versus Buddy Murphy. I get that Buddy Murphy's good, but he always comes across as just, like, a guy to me. Like, he's really good, his matches are good, but I have no reason to care about him as a character. You mentioned before, of course, you being a bigger OC fan than me, whatever. Um, <laughs> hey, one reason- of
1: us actively rooted for him to lose the title to Jeff Jarrett, and that wasn't May.
0: Okay, now see, <laughs> you word it like that, and it sounds bad. Did I, <laughs> did really? I root for Orange Cassidy to lose? No. Did I root for Jeff Jarrett to win? Yes. Two completely different things.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. But go ahead. Okay.
0: Right. Um. So obviously, all the all the things that you mentioned, I'm not going to belabor the point. But there was two Buddy Murphy, uh, false finishes that I bid on, man. That I jumped out of my seat and I thought they were going to do it. Um. So the fact that Buddy being arguably the third. Well, let's say fourth guy down in the stable, because I'm counting Julia Hart. Uh, (laughs) Come on. And he already has a belt, you know? I'm like, he's not winning. But it was a good match on TV. It was a really good match on TV.
1: Yeah. I've said before on the podcast, with so many people on that roster between AEW and Ring of Honor, I don't like people having two belts. So I never want to root for that. But uh i'm a am a much bigger buddy matthews fan than you are so i, I right. do not think he's that far down on the list i would go so far as to say that he's at least third uh maybe second Above brody if, king i know i'd say brody king's number one what <laughs> and then then buddy and then malachi and then julia well,
0: Although, I think they. i think if you looked at the aew organizational chart it's much different Uh, If I go by Ring
1: Gear, Buddy and Julia are tied at number one in the stable.
0: (laughs) You didn't watch the uh, Julia Hart and a J match from Rampage last week?
1: Oh, I most certainly did. You're you're stealing the thunder of my second bit. Oh, okay. (laughs) But no, that was a great match. And uh, for me, there wasn't much more on Dynamite. But go ahead, you're up next.
0: Yeah, just to bounce around, uh, rarely does it come up um on the show just because like it's one of the th- those things where it airs as we're recording um so i don't really get a chance to watch it but because of how hyped up it was uh i made a point to you know watch it later and it was the episode of impact last week where josh alexander had to relinquish the and listen it's impact he had to relinquish the tna title <laughs> um because he had a he has a tricep injury and he's going to be out for an indeterminate amount of time and you know just sneakily josh has been the champion there for like over a year i think i forget the exact number um but he if you want to look at the entirety of that company under whatever names you want to um as it's been called impact he's been the longest reigning impact champion if you want to look at when it was just TNA or even NWA TNA, his reign beat double J's longest reign by one day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Josh is a good guy. Josh is someone that I've known for a very long time. Um, You know, obviously uh, he has been very, you know, a lot of his career, very much tied to Ethan page. They were both an impact together. The decisions that each guy made, uh regarding the respective respective careers you know you could argue you know who has done better and what uh but the fact that josh you know before the injury you know was getting paid a very good wage and probably still is by uh impact and was able to take very limited indie bookings do seminars and you know still spend time with his family um you know and i don't know did you get a chance to see or hear any of this so I saw
1: some clips on Twitter of this happening, you know, with yeah. this kid in the ring and his wife. Yeah. Um, Because I've gotten to the point, I, I do record Impact on the DVR, but every time I turn it on, and this uh, has nothing to do with Josh Alexander, it's, you know, it's Tommy Dreamer, it's Bully Ray, it's Santino Morella, it's Moose, you know. So I'm like, after a while, I was like 90% of this show Is unwatchable in my eyes. Like I'm sure there's great wrestling, but like I'm looking for people that I like, and when when all these segments are like involving those people that I don't like, it turns me off. So I have the last couple weeks just I'll see it on the DVR and I'll just hit delete. And then I I heard about this and I was like, oh shit, I have to go. I have to go seek it out.
0: You know, I don't know if it's in full on their YouTube page, Um, but obviously as you mentioned um what you saw um you know so josh gives this um th- this very heartfelt speech and discussions in regards to his time and his decision and everything else that he came to um and then he has the bit where he's about to hand the belt over to scott demore and the kid before he can grabs the title
3: yeah. you know
0: what i mean and an emotional segment if there ever was one and yeah it is in full up on their YouTube page, obviously it's called Josh Alexander emotionally relinquishes the impact world title um, but again, it was very good wrestling TV go out of your way to check that out if you didn't see it um, you know Josh is someone who's you know one of the good guys in wrestling and uh you know speedy recovery to him yeah no absolutely i've I, I obviously don't know
1: much about Josh Alexander from the Indies. Everything I know was North. As in, like the tag team you mentioned with uh, Ethan and everything after that. But I've always been a fan of what I saw. All right, um, I'm not gonna. I don't have much for this other one. Uh, I was gonna do this huge deep dive, doing the pros and cons, taking a lot of arguments they see on the internet about your boy Jeff Hardy returning. Mm. Uh, but that that got bumped from my read. And I'll just say that uh, the Twitter is in a flutter today over rumors and innuendo which I deal and I know you don't right. that uh, that your boy Phil from Chicago is very close to coming back potentially to aew mm. maybe in time for a Chicago show that's sometime over this summer and uh, you know maybe use that to, to sell out or get at least sell out one side of Wembley Stadium mm. so I think anytime there's a report of Pepsi Phil we should talk about it
0: um, is it really news when I knew about it a month ago? No, I
1: mean, people have been talking about this forever, you know? People have been talking about his return
0: since the night of brawl okay. out. you know? Okay, let me be more specific. And since it's out there, let's talk about it, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you sound like you know, like, the brush strokes of this, right? That there's talks and there's rumor and there's innuendo, right?
1: I mean, I saw a screenshot of what Fightful put out today, and that's about it. Okay. So,
0: was it included uh, in Fightful that the third Saturday show that they're starting is going to be the Phil show?
1: <laughs> um, I did see that elsewhere. It was not in the Fightful
0: Oh, part. okay. Okay. Because um, the plan that I was told about a month ago was that that Saturday show... so. AEW has such a large roster, okay, and they're, they have guys that work now between Ring of Honor and AEW, um, and, you know, the roster's so big, it's tough to get everybody on TV, and, like, there's people that wrestle here, and there's people that wrestle there, and I was talking to a bunch of people in a group chat, and then in different group chats, and maybe individually, Um, just kind of saying that like, yeah, you know, it it would make sense for AEW to do like a split roster, like essentially do like two different touring groups, but it's not like something that they could just do like, Hey, we're going to do this on a Monday and now we're going to like, Hey, we have this idea on a Monday and we could do it on a Tuesday. I go, you literally would have to start doing this like three. If you do think of it today, you need to have, like, you can't have that go into effect for another like three months because you've got to work out contracts. You've got to change people's travel schedules. You've got to book buildings. You've got to do all this other stuff. So if they do this, it's probably not going to happen till the summer. Mm-hmm. Just generally, right? Yeah. And then somebody mentioned to me, like, I was told that's what they're doing this summer. And that the Saturday show is going to be essentially the Friends of Phil show. And then mm-hmm. the Wednesday and sometimes Rampage taping was going to be everybody else.
1: But 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 Feifel said that CM Punk has been actively trying to reach out to the Bucks and Kenny.
0: <laughs> now, that much I don't know, okay? Um, I don't think Punk is actively reaching out to anyone. I could see that there's people on his behalf that are reaching out to uh, the Bucks and Kenny, and I could see that there's people that are mutuals of Bucks and Kenny that are reaching out to Punk. Mm. I'm, I'm walking a tightrope here. <laughs> um, but I don't think there's been any direct contact between any of them. Um, but I'll just say this summer, when those Saturday shows start, that's gonna be the Phil Show. And you're probably gonna see like those people crossing over on the pay-per-views, depending on how successful it goes running two different touring brands. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the house show like the house shows that they're still doing was the test for that. Um, And then, as I understand it, they are locking up buildings for the summer to be doing those Saturday shows, and initially they were set up as house shows, but now it looks like they're going to be TV tapings.
1: Um, Take your Phil opinion and put it aside for a second, as will I. Does it bother you, as much as it bothers me, that we're going to get two distinct traveling groups, but yet Ring of Honor still isn't on TV? You know, and there's going to be all that talent that even with three nights of television is still relegated to the streaming service. And I get it. The youth loves their streaming and it's not for me. I'm a, I'm a DVR guy, but for me, I just wish that like, if they were going to do a Saturday show that was on television, that I can just tune in to watch that it was ring of honor.
0: So they will tell you, and they being Tony Khan, a W warners, et cetera, et cetera. That Ring of Honor is more of a niche internet fan product. Okay. Which is just their excuse for not getting at a TV deal. (laughs) Now, if the two touring AEW brands fails, and they already have these buildings, and they already have these TV time, and they already have all this whatever else, I could very easily see Ring of Honor slipping into that. Mm -hmm. But for right now, the plan was for Ring of Honor to be separate TV tapings along with New Japan Strong and things got changed and delayed and those were supposed to be exclusively at Universal Studios and now they do Ring of Honor stuff like before and after ramp or like dynamite tapings. Yeah. So plans are always changing in regards to that um but the one thing that hasn't changed in the last month is that they've been in into- time. So remember When, like, it was, remember the day the big Instagram post came out with Punk?
1: Yeah, about him not seeing Rocky.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. So I was literally told that the whole, like, I had the whole thing laid out to me the day before Punk posted it on Instagram.
1: Yeah, and I feel like right around that time, like maybe our episode right after, you made some allusions to something like that on the podcast, and then we just kind of dropped it and moved on. anyways
0: yeah 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 um, but again it's out there so i can talk about it right
1: yeah well i mean i don't know why you have to wait until it's out there to talk about it. you gotta be we gotta get a 900 number going for this podcast
0: i talk about it in group chats if you didn't leave them all the time
1: <laughs> uh fair enough but i i hope that if they do a, a a florida universal show that it has like a spinning ring in front of like four sets of bleachers Give it that old WCW vibe.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, it kind of looks like how Impact looks now. Badly? Um, No, stop it. (laughs) Um, It's like three sides of people, you know, um, with the entranceway. And, you know, they're more packed and lively of a crowd than Impact is most nights. Um, But Impact is actually starting a tour again. Um, I think they're doing pay-per-view and tv in columbus i think in june um so you know i, I saw the president passed a bill that said COVID is officially over i don't know you know so <laughs> everybody's touring again all
1: right glad good for that them we can, we can finally leave our houses now joe we can finally yeah. take our masks off it's
6: over yeah <laughs>
0: um so i hopped on your phil thing um Let's talk about the Darby MJF Sting promo thing, right? Okay. Um, I thought it was a better than average for Max promo. Apparently the um, the cheap heat stuff was either before the show or during the commercial, so I didn't see it. Uh, so it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought Darby more than held his own. I like Darby's promos more as... I'm a real guy with real problems and I just happen to like being spooky as opposed to, I'm a spooky dude. Yeah, the the references to like him doing
1: therapy and he's yeah. like you try it. That was it was fun. It was better than like a couple weeks ago when they did that pillars thing and he was going on about like a teacher and they didn't believe in him. Yeah. Like, this is a lot better.
0: Like I want to hear a babyface doing babyface things like he bought his folks a house and yeah. you know, he's making himself as a better person, 'cause, you know, stories out there that he might not have been the best person about five, six years ago. But I like hearing that sort of stuff. And then of course we get uh, the moment with Sting and MJF, and I just thought MJF was going to let put the title down to the ring and leave and just let Sting have the title, which is what should happen, which is what would have happened if I was booking AEW. Um, <laughs> was Sting's promo a little all over the place and rambly? Sure. Uh, did it go on a little bit too long? Absolutely. But you know what? He's Sting. Fuck you. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> You're going to tell Sting he can't do that? I'm not. I'm going to tell Sting, you know, like Tony Khan says, MJF, go do whatever you want. And we get what we get. I tell Sting, hey, Sting, go do whatever you want. And we get this. I don't know. What are we holding up as a better segment?
1: yeah i liked you know obviously sting he's talking about surfer sting and talking about crow sting and Wolfpack sting and he's shouting out nash and hall i uh, could have done without the Ric flair shout out but i get it and he's got a little bit of joker left in him so i liked all of that stuff and then he he quote unquote accidentally says cody and talks about him being MJF's some uh support system so i enjoyed it yeah it went it was kind of tonally a little all over the place but as you said it's fucking sting he can do what he wants
0: yeah exactly um
1: but yeah I, i did enjoy that um i was kind of i was thinking about sting way more than i normally do which is a it's a shame i should be thinking about sting way more often but there's been talk that he's on his last run and even said that on the uh, on Dynamite last night, that his end is coming soon. Do you think AEW, whether it be to help sell the Wembley Stadium thing or even for All Out, like shortly thereafter, if they should do like a Sting's last match type thing, like kind of like the Ric Flair thing, but only good? 100%. You know, like maybe what do, do you- like his last tag match at Wembley and then do his last match at All In or All Out right after or uh. something like that.
0: I know that's what they did, and obviously, you know, we could speculate. I I know that's what they did with Muda. It's like, okay, here's his last tag match, and here's his last singles match, and here's his last match as the Great Muda, and here's his last match as Keiji Mudo, and, like, all these different things. I think with Sting, when it's done, it's done. It's going to be one match. It's going to be a biggie. Should it be at Wembley? Probably. But, again, who's to say? Um, I I think you saying that, I'm not sure, I'm sure other people have said the same thing, but I think that would be a great thing to help sell out that that place, you know, to advertise it as Sting's last match and then actually have it be Sting's last match. And then do, like, the retirement ceremony at the next pay-per-view or the next TV or wherever it is where, like, you devote a good chunk of the show to the giving Sting that farewell that he deserves. You know, yeah. like, having, like, you know, whatever roster people, whatever friends that aren't WWE contracted people that you could have come out on TV and, you know, give him like the Hall of Fame speech that he deserves. Yeah.
1: And I mean, honestly, WWE owes AEW at this point, And if they have any soul, they owe Sting because wasn't like Jericho and Christian were talking heads recently on like WWE programming for I forget yeah. they were tri- tribute. They were doing a tribute to somebody.
0: Jericho for Jericho and Danielson did something. Yeah, I just can't remember who it was. It was like wishing and Big like, Show. Yeah,
1: it was like somebody's anniver. Was it like Undertaker anniversary or no. somebody's like shit? Yeah, it, somebody's yelling at their podcatcher. But it was definitely like an episode of TV where it was just like holy shit. There's Jericho on a little like pre-recorded thing, you know, on a cell phone. But the fact that they got access to AEW performers for whoever that was for, you know, don't tell me you can't have, you know, I don't even know who you would want to use. But, like, you can't have a couple random talking heads that are under WWE contract do a pre-record for that AEW tribute.
0: Um, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I, I, it's a very different um, WWE than it is today. Than it was then. And it was for John Cena. Okay. Stop yelling at your thing. It For for what? Like just being on TV? Like 20 years of hustle, loyalty, and respect, Adam.
1: Oh, everything gets an anniversary these days, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> gotta get people to tune in somehow.
1: Alright. But yeah, that was me thinking about Sting. I think it started with me thinking about Phil... And then it became thinking about staying because I was mm-hmm. thinking about how they can sell these tickets. Yeah. And then it became like, how do I fantasy book an all main event? And then, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then I got sidetracked, and that was all I thought about for the rest of the night.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, that's all I got from the last week. That's all I have as well. All right. Uh, so, hey, let's hop into the voicemail. How about that? Yeah, let's do it. I should have held off on this until my family was asleep, but let's go.
2: <laughs> Hello, Adam. Hello, Joe. It's the Strongest Man all the land. Uh, unfortunately, the numbers you gave me last week did not pay off. Did not land on them. Although it's funny, thirty-three I actually landed twice after I bet it, which is just my luck. So, unfortunately, all of us have to go back to work tomorrow. Uh, it is what it is. Anyways, there's a lot of stupid discourse on wrestling Facebook, but there's one. Of especially, that's really just irked everyone, especially me. There's this page, and I'm not going to read this whole fucking thing of course, so much, from the angry wrestling vet, basically saying to stop being Mark and to stop taking pictures with Zex. Thinking like, oh, you wouldn't do it with an actor or celebrity you meet uh, on set, you know, why would you do Do it this way, you know? God, I can't talk. Six, but mm-hmm. anyways, yeah, basically the, the whole long novel is Stop being a mark and taking pictures with veterans. Now, I'm sure I know what you think, but I think this is the most dog shit take I have ever seen. And, um, you know, it's life is so goddamn short. You know, we just recently lost a great ref in Sean the last month. And I, for one, love the dude and have no pictures with him. Like, not like, you know, a personal one at least. And I feel like shit because of that. You know, and I, that's something I'm really bad at is taking pictures with people. And I, you know, I really want to change that. So I don't know, man. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this whole being a mark taking pictures with people. Obviously, there's a time and place to do it, but I think this angry wrestling, that guy, dude, I don't know if he's working or whatever, but it's just a fucking disaster take. All right, guys. That's all I got for now. Y'all have a blessed day.
1: Uh, I just want to say before we get into this, Artie, I never told you to stop betting 33. If you just kept betting it, we would all be rich men. So you didn't listen to me on that one. But, Joe, I'm going to let you take this one because I, I know that based on what I saw on Twitter, you have a, a, a take on this guy that I agree with. So
0: Artie makes the call. And I don't listen to the calls, right?
6: Mm.
0: I wait till the You know, here. And then Artie sends me a message after the call, and he goes, Hey, just so you have some context for the call. And you know how, like, when you get a uh, screenshot or something in your Twitter DMs, it's kind of like cut off a little bit, right? Yeah, sometimes you got to click on it to see the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's cut off at the top, and I read all the stuff that this guy says. And I think that this is Artie's arch nemesis, which is this Midwest guy jack vaughn or whatever he's like oh, i'm an old school wrestler and he puts like these videos up on tiktok and he's someone that you'd never heard of he looks like shit he looks like garbage and he's just taking like cornet isms and putting them on tiktok right mm-hmm. but because he's like an in the ring wrestler he can get like you know physicality with them but his stuff looks like shit he looks like shit and that's what i think this is right so I'm just looking at it and then I click on it and then I see that it's this angry wrestling vet guy and I know this motherfucker, right? Now, mm-hmm. so and already made this call and sent this message before this post blew up on social media because Xbox Sean Waltman tweeted it out, right? Yeah, like refuting it. Yes. So again, he, you're going to sit here and this this guy so he's former um wrestler in this area supremely great his real name's John Trotsky he's a piece of shit he's been a piece of shit his whole life for the 25 years that I've known this guy he's never done an honest or good thing or helpful thing from the times that he was 2 years in this business and would travel out of state to backyard wrestling shows under the guise of teaching the kids how to wrestle, and in essence, he was a 21-year-old kid who was just beating the shit out of teenagers in their backyard, Mm. to him saying all of this stuff, and he's put a bunch of posts out and everything else like that, and you'll see, Adam, that his stuff is getting a lot of traction on Facebook, but getting little to no traction on Twitter, social media, right? Okay, and and the reason for that is is because on Facebook that's where boomers and old people are, right? <laughs> and the the hot cornet takes haven't filtered in through to Facebook yet. Everybody on Twitter has seen it already, thousands and thousands of times. Like I'm just pulling up this tweet here where uh, he says saying a bunch of pro wrestling fans don't like me affects me exactly as much as saying a bunch of NASCAR fans don't like me. Okay that's a tweet that got four negative quote tweets got one like and got three replies but that same thing on facebook got like thousands of impressions hundreds of comments now he'll say he's doing this to work the marks who are just the boys but he really believes these things he he runs a promotion in our area out of an old abandoned church that he labels as a stunt show so that he could get around paying the commission in the state of Pennsylvania for running a wrestling show or for paying the boys because it's not a wrestling show. It's a stunt show. And I'm sure because of a stunt show, he has all of his SAG and AFTER stuff mm-hmm. lined up and everything. Right. Sure. And he, he does all this double talk where, like, anytime anyone p- tries to refute something that he says, he just twists his words and says, well, no, not this. Oh, uh, like, hey, don't get pictures of the boys. Well, here's pictures with you, you know, taking pictures when you trained Nick Cage and when you trained, um, uh, Mickey Rourke for The Wrestler, right? There's a guy who peaked 15 years ago, and he's living off that glory today. And he's like, well, I was forced to take those those photos by offa who was the head trainer and i was the one that was training him. okay well here's a bunch of pictures of like celebrities that are working on a movie together taking mark pictures with each other afterwards and during the course of the filming of the show here's pictures of wrestlers today like wrestlemania kzi was the guy who was in the prime uh sports drink bottle right Mm. every WWF wrestler's social media is littered with pictures of everyone taking Mark pictures with that guy. Did they know that guy beforehand? It was he their friend or whatever it is? And people are bringing up all these things that I even mentioned to him before I realized that he was just doing a bit and it's not even a good bit or a silly bit. Um, <laughs> I said, the Undertaker went in full gear to get a chance to get a mark pick with LeBron James. Okay, <laughs> So Anything that you say is not valid, and he's taking a bunch of long-term, old-school beliefs that even, like, the old-school guys on Twitter are like, yeah, that's not the way it is anymore. Like, I get what you're doing, but he's just regurgitating a lot of old cornet stuff that hasn't gotten to Facebook yet, and he's getting likes from people that I know that should know better than any of the stuff that he's doing there. And listen, I'll be honest with you, I unfriended a lot of people because I saw his shit popping up on my feed because they were liking it and sharing it. And I don't go on Facebook that much, right? Yeah. And I know people that have worked for him and claim to be trained by him. You should be ashamed if you claim that you were trained by him. You should be ashamed if you work for him and continue to work for him. And I've already given him enough time. And, again, I don't want to get into a thing where I could dox this guy, but his pr- his public information is out there. He's dumb enough to put it out there as well, his first and last name. And, listen, man, I'm dumb enough to put my first and last name out there as well. I don't – you know what I mean? But I don't hide behind a fake Twitter account and a fake Facebook account to get to say all these things. And he's doing it to promote the return of his company that's running a show in two weeks. And, and isn't it, like, filled with a bunch of, like, canceled people? Well, no, no, that's a completely different show. This is a show that's filled with nobody's. This is a show that's filled with his trainees who will work for free. And I think Ace Austin from TNA is the only name that comes and does these shows because he's local from this area. And Ace Austin should be ashamed of himself. If Ace Austin works these shows or claims this guy is his trainer, I don't think Ace Austin listens to the show, but maybe someone that does knows. Tell Ace Austin that I said by association, you're a piece of shit because you still do things and support John Trotsky, supremely great, who's been a piece of shit his entire life. And I'll just close it with this one last thing, okay? Mm. So, he... um Put out a social media thing and a Twitter thing that says you only have one chance to make a first impression. If that first impression is being a fanboy, then that's what you'll be remembered for. I'd much rather my first impression being my in-ring performance, and be respected or not, and given an advice on how to improve as a pro. Now let's go backwards. Mm. He's always suck shit. He's a five foot six, pudgy guy who wrestled in a shirt, thought he was a high flyer. And could barely leave his feet. All the advice that he was given, he never took because he sucked forever. And he would claim that he was the shooter of office school. I'm six foot one, I weigh two hundred and eighty pounds, I'm severely overweight, but I guarantee you I could whip this motherfucker in a fight, right? <laughs> yeah. Number two, my first impression of him was back in 2000 when we were doing VCW, the VCW that made no money, but we were still drawing more fans than WXW was in Hazelton for their shows on a weekly basis. We were running once a month, and we were dr- we were bringing over 200 people to a warehouse in wilkes They were hyping their things up as part of their school. They had TV in Allentown, and they were lucky if they broke 50 people. And of those 50 people, 10 of them were us mm. going to the shows. So he gets the idea with his buddy, who also runs a promotion in this area, who's another piece of shit, They get the idea, let's hook up with them, we go and do a thing on their show, and maybe it'll get more of their fans to come to our show. It was going to be this whole angle where it was them versus us, and we were going to do shows, and they were going to get us on their shows, and his whole thing was to get Larry, who ran VCW, into a position where they could try to hurt him, and that's exactly what they did so larry they they hit larry with it they they hit larry in the head with a chair and larry did a lot of crazy stuff but the guy who swung the chair swung he was swinging for the fences and larry got fucked up probably got a concussion from it and i went backstage to check on larry and i hear from the next room over john and his buddy rosh and the other jerk off that was with them bragging about oh did you see what we did we really fucked that guy up and me piece of shit me I wasn't 280 pounds then, but still, I still had the same loud voice I did. I walked in there, I called all three of them a piece of shit to their face, and I told them to get the fuck out. And they did. They listened to me. Three tough guys, three big wrestlers, me, 23 years ago, looking the way that I did, having not a fucking lick of muscle tone on me whatsoever. I went in there and I told these three fuckers to get out, and they did.
1: Mm.
0: So that was my first impression of John Trotsky. And Sounds like a real
1: piece of shit.
0: And in 23 years, he hasn't changed a lick. So, I say to you, don't interact with his posts. Don't share his posts. Don't even look at his fucking posts. Let him live in his Facebook bubble where all the other 40 and 50 year old boomer wrestling fans could say, yeah, you tell him, John. Well, John sits there at his IT job at a local college touching himself because he got 100 likes on a Facebook post. <laughs> fuck him and fuck you if you consider yourself a fan of his or if you agree with anything that he put out i'm telling you fuck you yeah next call
1: yeah see what you started already but i will just say dude
0: when it (laughs) already sent that to me on tuesday it fucking ruined my day (laughs) i i will just say
1: just answer one of the questions already threw out there uh I'm a firm believer in get the pictures and like, I wish that I get more because there's so many times when I'm like at a show or at some type of gathering after a show an after party or something like that, where I'm like, I want to get a picture with that person. And I just, sometimes I I chicken out or I just don't want to bother them. Uh, I got always get the pictures.
0: Always get the picture. Um, I kicked myself. You know, I I had tweeted out um, that of all the guests of my 18 years of doing legitimate pro wrestling not backyard wrestling not underground wrestling not whatever the fuck it was um that i only took pictures and i only got pictures of three people danielson stars okay i got pictures of tons of my friends stars danielson waltman and terry funk are the only three i ever got and i kicked myself that i didn't get more And I've mentioned it a dozen times on this show, and I'll mention it a dozen times again. I'm still kicking myself that I didn't get my picture with Double J when he came and did the first AIW show. (laughs) But it was one of those things where he got to the building late. I didn't want to – it wasn't my place to interrupt his meet and greet where he was making his fucking money. And then as soon as the meet and greet was over, I had to do commentary, and he was going back to do his next gig. You know what I mean? It was just the way that things worked out. I didn't get my picture with Double J, and it still haunts me to this day, you know? Yeah, when the inevitable
1: day comes that Double J is doing a meet and greet at Pandora's Box, are you going to give me a definitive yes?
0: I, I, just it was, it's, you, you tell me. You don't even need to tell me how much the meet and greet is. You just tell me what you think is fair, and I'll pay you that plus twenty.
1: <laughs> nice. Here's a blank check. Write down whatever dollar figure
0: you whatever you think is fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Cool. I still right, I already, but you ruined my Wednesday. <laughs> Tuesday or whatever fucking day it was that you sent that to me Tuesday was Tuesday alright I need a break next
6: call hey there Joe Adam it's the other JB here JB here alrighty thank y'all for your recommendations on Christian um, I particularly enjoyed the like um, going through the series of matches between him and Randy Orton Yay. around the WWE Heavyweight Championship Um, that's a nice belt design. Uh, really like that and has it that, uh, the big gold kind of look to it anyways. So, um, in addition to that, I was going through and I was watching, um, starting through, uh, the rivalry between, uh, Mr. Hitman and, uh, Stone Cold. Uh, just going back and watching through that. Um, I'm just about, I've been going through all the segments too, leading up to it. Uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, I'm in the middle of my masters uh thesis, uh getting that all together for graduation so I've got that analytical mind going. So looking at how that um fusion in itself contributed into um the development of what would you know now be called the attitude era, kinda of seeing how, you know, testing the boundaries there. Um probably the biggest boundary that they tested and pushed in that early segment that I've looked at so far was the uh, Brian Pillman invasion, Um, which got me to thinking that I I don't know too much about um, Flying Brian. So I was wondering if y'all have any suggestions related to uh, Flying Brian Pillman or, um, uh, yeah, either single or as a tag. All right, let me know. Thanks for the call.
1: JB, and also thank you for tagging us in the the lovely photos of you in your percussion band. (laughs) Uh, Orchestra. It's an orchestra, orchestra, you Philistine. (laughs) I'm not a music guy. We've gone over this before. Uh, Can I just say, I, and this is probably a bad take because, like, whatever, but, like, I love Brian Pillman. I've loved him since he wore the bangle pants in WCW. Uh, Hollywood Blondes, ECW, the Run and the Heart Foundation. I cannot tell you one good match to watch, though.
0: Really? Well, I was going to say, I was going to turn things over to you and say, hey, Adam, um, you tell me the loose cannon era stuff, but uh, he didn't really have many good loose cannon matches, you know?
1: Yeah, no, like, I mean, he didn't wrestle once in ECW, and then his matches in WWE was just on one foot for the most part or in tag matches and no, I got nothing.
0: So, um okay. He's got a lot of good matches. Like Pillman was sneakily a really good wrestler um before he had all the injuries and stuff, right? Mm. Um if I was to think off the top of my head and see this is one of those things where like trying to think of match dates and times is going to be tough. I know a lot of people are going to point to the match that he had at Super Brawl with um, uh, Jushin Liger, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. As one of the early, like, um, matches that kind of brought cruiserweight wrestling to the United States, okay? Um, He has, like, a bunch of singles matches with Flair in, like, early 1990 on TV uh, that are really good. But I, if like to try to pick one, I couldn't pick one because like they're all different and they're all really good. But like if you just look like Ric Flair, Brian Pillman, nineteen ninety, you're sure to find something really good. Okay, mm. um, then the tag team series that he has with him and Pil- him and Austin versus uh, Steve uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas, those are good. But can I pick just one of them? No, probably not because. Like, they're all good and different in their own different way, you know? Um, like I said, I'm not familiar with a lot of his Japanese stuff, but uh, was he in... I don't think he was in the 92 uh, War Games match, but, I, you know, I've mentioned this here on the show before. Um, even as a tag team, him and the Z-Man had a bunch of really good matches against the Midnight Express in, like, 89 90. So I'm looking at – like
1: I just Googled like uh, best Brian Pillman matches and then minus Junior because sure. obviously that wouldn't have contributed anything to the list. But uh, it mentions with Tom Zank versus the Midnight Express at Capital Combat 90, and it says, okay. yes, the RoboCop show. Uh, War Games uh, 91. Okay.
0: Uh, okay, So War Games 91 um, – is that a good match? No, most war like I think there's like two good war games matches in the history of the world, but that '91 one is awesome for the finish, and it's awesome for the finish because it involves Brian Pillman, and it involves Brian Pillman taking a very disgusting bump.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Hollywood Blondes versus Flair and Arn Anderson clash, uh, ninety June
0: '93. Nah, yeah, that, those ones weren't that good, like. Yeah. Flair and Arn working as baby faces just didn't work for me, brother. But yeah. um go look to see if there was any TV Pillman Austin Steamboat Shane Douglas matches, early 1990 Um matches with Ric Flair. Um there's a match from around that time frame um early in Cactus's run in WCW, where like Ca- like ca- like they just kill each other, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there's another one that's a weird oddity from a Clash of Champions where it's Pillman versus Norman the Lunatic. Um, that is way better than it should be. Um, the story behind that is both guys were Calgary Stampede guys. Uh, Norman as Muck and Sing, Pillman is Pillman. Uh, they had a great series of matches there, and they decided to give them the match on TV, and they got like six minutes, and they tore it up, but it was just like the position they were in, and the spot in the card, and what they were getting paid, like they never followed up on either guy, really.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, I'll just but, yeah. say that the other things that come up a lot on this list, like, uh, because it's a lot of people just suggesting stuff, is uh, Pillman versus, uh, versus Liger, not only Super Brawl 2, but the first Nitro. I forgot they wrestled in the first
0: Nitro. So um, I don't like once the, like <sighs> Pillman's ninety five is weird. Um, I'm sure that's a good match. I know he had like a couple matches with Johnny V Bat around that time that are probably really good. But yeah. like,
1: and Pill- he has one. <laughs> the Johnny V Bad has one with the Yellow Dog that's best left without the audio played. Oh,
0: it. we covered that here on the podcast. That was uh, Great American Bash ninety one. Yeah yeah i to be bad more like johnny b next caller uh but yeah like i said jb i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot and i'm gonna say those flair matches from 1990 just throw into the youtube rick flair brian pillman 1990 and you're at least to find one or two good ones
1: yeah and my pick will be brian
0: pillman versus the giant pencil oh there you go i always lo- he always loses to the pencil though i know <laughs> spoilers all right next call
4: Hey Joe, hey Adam, it's Jayhawk. So, very interesting this week, we get, what's good name, I'm not going to name him because he doesn't deserve the mention, by name at least, going, you're a Martin, you posted pictures for wrestling in the locker room. You know what, I'm sorry that you're so angry and bitter that you didn't make it anywhere in the business, That you, that you don't want to relive all this stuff. I wish I had more pictures from the locker room, man. Well even with, whether whether it's with names, whether it's with people I've worked with in the past that became friends of mine, that I just don't have that any picture cover, I wish I had those pictures. And, and the fact that, you know, Sean Waltman agrees with that, that Ericane Holmes agrees with that, that ODB agrees with that. I, I I think you're a little outnumbered on this one, dude. But take the picture, man, get the memory. You're only gonna how many guys you're only going to get a chance to work with a number of times, even the ones you work with a lot, like, sometimes you just want to look back on those memories. You know, unfortunately, a lot of our colleagues are no longer with us, sucks and I want them picture. man. Uh, with that being said, are there any pictures of people in Joe's case that you maybe worked with or in Adam's case that you just wanted to meet and didn't get a chance to at a show for whatever reason? Or got you met at a show but didn't get a chance to get that picture with? that you wish you had that picture with. I'd like like to hear your thoughts on that. All right, guys,
0: uh, that's it for me. Have a good one. I feel bad because we covered most of that from Artie's call. Yeah.
1: Um, If I could just, obviously, we talked about a bunch of that, and obviously you want to meet uh, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Right. I would like to, of course, meet uh, maybe uh, Alexa Bliss, but uh, (laughs) I've never had the opportunity. But... Since we covered a lot of that, I just want to I want to take this opportunity to address something that, you know, looking at the list of callers, um, I don't see this person's name on there, and maybe maybe for fear that they're you know that maybe they talked a little too much last week, so I'm going to take this out on Mister Jayhawk. Oh, uh, how about them guardians? <laughs> Singles go bloop. <laughs> Guardians suck. <laughs> they thought they were going to beat the Yankees. <laughs> Don't they realize that small market bullshit can't beat a real team? Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. I just want to take that out on Jayhawk. Jayhawk. Um, and uh, don't let anybody believe anything that Joe was about to say because <laughs> it's all slander. But uh, oh, sorry, I had to get that out of my system. Yeah, I, was, anyway, I,
0: I got no horse in the race, you yeah. know, because baseball is not real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw this tweet earlier today from an account that looks suspicious, suspiciously like your account. Yeah. And it said, the Yankees are bad at baseball. I won't be taking any questions at this time. When was that tweet written, Joe? It was written at uh, 8.50 p.m. Thursday night.
1: So at 8.50 p.m. Thursday night, the Yankees were a very bad team. But in the three games that the Yankees <laughs> played, the Guardians, ooh, buddy, they were better than the Guardians because home runs go blue, baby. Woo, victory lap, victory lap. Hold on. I have stats. You know what? No. I wasn't going to whip these out. No. Nope. Did you know, Joe, that over the years of 2021 and 2022, the Yankees are 9 for 13 against the Guardians? And this season alone, we're two for three.
0: Okay.
1: Oh my God, that's what we call domination. Mm. Domination.
0: Know, to so. me, three for three sounds like domination. But I well, listen. I, I listen. I don't know how baseball. baseball works. Baseball, you don't go undefeated in a baseball season. It's all about winning the series. As this is. All right. When the guy walk- who's the the guy who's the who's the best hitter hits you know one out of every three and a half times he goes up. So yeah, you know. All right. Exactly. But.
1: uh yeah, sorry you had to be the brunt of that, Jayhawk, but uh, I don't see Ryle two legs. I feel like he uh, he took his uh, Guardians pennant and hiding between his legs right now.
0: I'm sure their uh, three-game stint that they have away against the Mariners is going just fine, you know? Uh, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I don't know. He's kind of dilated today, that's all I know. <laughs> are the Royals still a team? Uh, they're
1: still in the league, yeah, yeah. I guess. They're they are not don't kick They should they should start kicking out the team that's the worst every year. (laughs) I think if a team is bad, they should force it to move
0: its city. I think that should be the rule. They should kick them out of the league. Then there would be like you're you're now AAA, and we're going to elevate a AAA team to take your space.
1: (gasps) All right, yeah, it's kind of like you know. You're, you're you're promoting somebody to television and wrestling, and then That's you're right. sending somebody down to the Indies. All right,
0: those AAA teams doing really well, you know. So let's give them a chance. They got to <laughs> be better than you. You suck, right? Yeah. Ah, <sighs> thanks, Jayhawk. All right, thanks, Jayhawk. Next call.
3: Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. My gosh, I almost it's it's past eight o'clock. I almost forgot to call in. I can only imagine how upset and worried you two would have been. Like, in the time of recording, it probably would have been like 10, 11 at night, maybe later. You'd say, Kevin, didn't call. What's going on? And one of you would have texted me. You know, someone may have, like, you know, sent the local police to do a well being check just to make sure I'm okay and uh, because I missed some voicemail. So I, I to, you know, hopefully I never do. Um, but the reason why is I was just enjoying sitting outside, reading a book having the breeze. This was a a very cold winter and I'm so happy that it's over. And I was even debating taking like a a smaller TV and hooking up on the porch just so I could sit and watch my wrestling outdoors and and enjoy, you know, spring and soon to be summer. So I, I got thinking though, what's a favorite outdoor wrestling memory? Now, I mean, geez, is it just a year ago that you guys did the AIW uh, live podcast there outdoors? And, and then, of course, the very good show that AIW put on that, that venue as well. We could go for that one for an easy answer. Or is there something else? You, you know, you went to a, a county fair even that was outside or, you know, um, maybe same idea I had. You just dragged the TV outside, you and a bunch of friends just, you know, sat outside, watched pay-per-view, you know, had some drinks, had a good time. What's your favorite outdoor wrestling memory? And hopefully we can make some new ones this year. Now that's warm again. Have a good night, guys. Looking forward to the show. Looking forward to the Patreon as always as well. Subscribe.
1: Hmm. Um, if Kevin somehow missed a voicemail, I would just have to include him on the missing posters that I'm already putting up for Ed. You know, I would just be like, and Kevin, also missing.
0: <laughs> um, so I, I do like that Kevin treats uh, the phone calls as like his wellness check, like we're his <laughs> local officers or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like if we don't get a call from Kevin, you have to check and make sure he's okay. If you don't get a CGC tweet from me, worried that I died in my sleep. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think when he was talking what outdoor shows I've gone to. Elvac Real Rumble and the Fonzie Hardcore Tournament. I don't think that I can't think of anything
0: else I went to that was outdoors. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. I know Chikara. So uh, I know Chikara did a couple baseball shows as well. Um, But I was going to say, could it be Real Rumble number one? Could it be Real Rumble number two? Could it be Real Rumble number three? No, no, I'm going to say my favorite outdoor show, Adam, is going to be the just-announced Real Rumble 4, the biggest party of the summer is back. I I don't think that's copyright or trademarked (laughs) anywhere. Uh, (laughs) Returns to a Sunday afternoon show at the uh, Mahoning Drive-In on July 9th. Uh, And that is a red-letter date for me in my personal life. And, again, um, that is the... And I'm one of those guys that remembers these sort of things. Uh, you know, I remember dates. I'm a date guy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That is uh, the date. I can't say how many years ago it was because I don't want to incriminate uh, my wife. But that's the day that my wife and I started dating.
1: Oh, there you go. Well, has made a good decision that mm-hmm.
0: day. <laughs> and the jury's still out. Um, But yes, we have uh, obviously the next LVAC show coming up here on the 22nd of April uh, but Real Rumble officially announced July 9th, Sunday afternoon, Mahoning Drive-In be there, no excuse not to Uh, I think I don't if I'm looking at the schedule that was just sent to me earlier today I don't think AIW is running on the 9th so I've already floated some names back and forth between the 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 lehigh office and the cleveland office to see what they could work out for uh getting some people some bookings hmm. on a sunday you know hmm it you know i mean there are some matches
1: out there i'm not gonna say which ones but there's some matches that i mean people from both territories have been very angrily tweeting about not getting yet and uh oh that seems like a good opportunity oh ooh, there's that there's word that, again that's right and, and uh, uh just a so I'm, I, I'm not on these emails, so I just want clarification. We are the one super show on Sunday instead of Real Rumble Saturday and Real Rumble Sunday? Correct. All right. Putting all of our, all of our action onto one day. Like
0: yeah, the, the drive-in is hopping, um, and it was tough to get two days, to be completely
1: honest with you. All right, not a problem. But uh, Kevin made reference to our Patreon.
0: Oh, That's yeah, go ahead. I'll let you uh, kick the plug through on that one, huh? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I'll just start by saying Kevin uh on masslibrary.com every week that we do show homework has great write-ups. This week he has a write-up for our homework that we will be discussing later on tonight and releasing to the Patreon tonight, which is continuing the mystery The history of The Miz movies as we watch The Marine Four moving targets. And uh, obviously, this is the second of the four Marine movies that The Miz stars in. The first one is already up on our Patreon. And Joe, you will be assigning a homework for all of us for next week. What is that?
0: That's right. So uh, we are continuing our rewatch of the weird little three month and change period. In early 2000, uh, between booking eras of Vince Russo in WCW, we're watching the Nitros, we're watching the Thunders, we're watching the pay-per-views. And if noteworthy, we're watching the episodes of Worldwide and WCW Saturday Night. And it just so happens that we have come upon a noteworthy episode of WCW Saturday Night. So, this episode of WCW Saturday Night is a jam-packed episode. Again, bear in mind... January of 2000. We have Chavo Guerrero Jr. taking on Scott Armstrong. Buzzkill, uh, who we were introduced to on Thunder this past week, as uh, Brad Armstrong doing a road dog gimmick, taking on Wildcat Chris Harris. Okay. Uh, Meng taking on Fidel Sierra. Uh, Chuck Palumbo, I think, doing his basketball player gimmick, taking on Mike Sanders. Above uh, average Mike Sanders. This is way before that. He's just he's just random guy Mike Sanders.
1: Oh, below average uh, Mike Sanders.
0: <laughs> Al Green taking on Frankie Lancaster. The Texas Outlaws taking on Mickey Ray and Ron Rage. Sonny Siaki taking on Elix Skipper in your three years down the road TNA offer match. <laughs> uh Disco Inferno taking on Mike Ashmore and in your main event. Uh, just coming off their heartbreaking loss of the WCW Tag Team Titles, Crowbar and David Flair are taking on PG13 of JC Ice and Wolfie D.
1: This is a match that I've heard existed, but I've never seen it. So
0: this is a show that I've never seen at all. And again. I I mentioned on the Patreon show, um, nobody was watching WCW at this time. And in 2000 numbers, nobody was about 2 million people a week. So even less than that was watching WCW Saturday night night at this time. So I'm excited to watch this episode. It'll be available to our patrons uh, probably sometime Friday or Saturday uh, so that you could get a jump on this and watch before we record our episode next week. Yeah, I was, uh, the
1: the uh the the uncut, uncooked, uncensored footage. Yes, on our Patreon. But uh, one last thing about our Patreon before we go, and that is all of the positive feedback that we've been getting from all of our both existing patrons and our new patrons for your sit down with Ian Bafflor.
0: Yes, uh, I, I thank you very much to everyone for the positive feedback. I. Beat myself up and I was kind of like when it went up on Monday, I was like, I'm not too happy with my uh, contributions to it. But, you know, I I got a lot of what I feel and I hope was honest feedback from folks. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad that a lot of people were able to talk positively in a public forum about Chikara again. You know, whatever your opinions may be about who ran Chikara, some of the trainers there or otherwise, Um, you know, and maybe you can't. But maybe you want to and you feel like you're not allowed to. You are. You're allowed to talk about those things as a general whole thing, you know? Mm. Um, And I'll say this. um, I was chastised by someone. I don't want to name names. uh, That I was giving out freebies of the podcast, okay? Mm -hmm. Of the Patreon show. Um, And I did give out two, okay? (gasps)
1: You owe, you owe well. I was gonna say you owe us ten dollars, but you owe me five dollars and you five dollars.
0: Yeah, take. I was gonna say take it on the cut of my fucking money. Yeah, uh, because <laughs> one of those two that I sent it to uh, is gonna be our next guest. Now again, I, I wanna I wanna preface this and say this is not gonna be a regular thing. The interview with Ian kind of fell into my lap, and then this interview fell into my lap because this person reached out to me and they're like, hey, can I get that podcast? So I sent it to them. They listened to it. They told me how much they enjoyed it. And I said, you want to do it? And they said, yes. Um, I'm not going to say who. Uh, Again, the the contract ink is still not dried yet, but I will say this. Um, It's somebody who's been involved in independent wrestling or was involved in independent wrestling back to the early 2000s. Um, We're going to talk for about 15, 20 minutes about their pre-Chikara stuff. We're going to talk about 15, 20 minutes about their Chikara and Ashes stuff. And then we're going to spend about a lean three hours on what they're currently doing in the world of professional wrestling. And, uh, no, I mean, that sounds awesome. Um,
1: Probably sometime next month.
0: Yeah, we haven't we haven't ironed out a date when we're recording it yet. But um, you know, obviously, when we get a chance to record it, um, we'll try to get it up on the Patreon with some editing and stuff. You know, I don't cut like that's the other thing. I don't cut anything out unless they ask me to. Ian didn't ask me to. I, I did. You know, and obviously, I-, I let Ian know ahead of time. Like, hey, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this. Let me know if there's anything you don't want to talk about. You know, because I don't want to make it an awkward situation for me or for them um or otherwise and have like this weird bit in the podcast or whatever it is yeah. and then when we schedule you know me and this person going back and forth and i said to them i go hey is there anything you don't want to talk about and he said no that's cool but then when we record i'm going to say like hey i'm going to ask you about this i'm going to ask you about this i'm going to ask you about this i'm going to tell him the things i'm going to ask him about and if he says uh, he'll probably say yes I- i'll say that Uh, He's very forthcoming, he's very honest, one of the most honest people I know uh, in the world of professional wrestling, um, for better or for worse, and he'll tell those stories uh, when we iron out the uh, recording schedule, you know? Awesome! Well, I look
1: forward to hearing it, and I get to hear it for free. So that's <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> now you do a
1: lot of work to get these things for free. So <laughs> sometimes, yeah, but no, that's awesome. And I, I'll thank you publicly for doing that. Obviously, it's not a chore when you're talking to one of your buddies. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know. But just to to do that and get that to me so that I can upload it. And thanks again to all of our patrons who not only, you know, subscribed, but have said the nice things about it and have done the retweets and everything. And thanks to Ian for doing it, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yep. I think uh, it felt good. I, you know, I could say here that Ian, you know, I, I know that he probably felt good at getting a lot of that stuff out there in the open. You know, yeah. um, it's good to answer questions that no one will ask you directly, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, that people have kind of like, no, oh, I always wondered, but they'll never say anything. But the fact that you're able to go on the record and kind of get that sort of stuff out there, um, you know, I'm an open book, uh, when it comes to this sort of thing. Like I, I have uh, a diary of the mouth and, uh, you know, privately you could always ask me and I'll either tell you or I'll tell you to go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, you'll get, so you'll, you'll get the answer one way or the other, um, in regards to anything. Um, that being said, yeah, thanks to all the new patrons. Hopefully you listen to the main show. Hopefully you go check out uh, the WCW stuff, the Miz stuff, all <laughs> of it, you know? You're, you're not as
1: enthused about the Miz stuff as you are the WCW stuff. I don't appreciate that. All right. It's not cool, but you know what is cool, Joe? These podcasts. And those podcasts are Long Box Heroes, Long Box Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Indie Wrestling Guide, Wings on Wings, Wrestling Cheers, and Hiya Boosie, a wrestling adjacent podcast coming at some point at some time.
0: So I, I, I'll say this. You know, last week Ed did not call in, um, you know, because as I mentioned, he was in a room alone staring at a candle silently. Um, now I think he's trying to move his stove out from the <laughs> mud room back into his house um so that's why he didn't get a chance to call in and i think that's why uh the show is delayed and you know it's not on your list but i'm gonna throw it out there um you know just um you know because he's a friend of mine he listens to the comic book show but he doesn't listen to the wrestling show and i think it's better that way um but my friend drew does um a podcast called the stardom cast I know Stardom has gotten a lot of play Uh, recently. Tokyo Joshi Pro, uh, women's Japanese wrestling is hot again. Uh, Drew and his podcast partner, Rob, have been doing this podcast for a very long time. Um, And definitely go check them out if you are a fan of Stardom. I think they recently had uh, on the podcast, in danger on, uh, to talk about her experience, uh, in the world of professional wrestling. And she's done a ton of stuff. And, uh, like I said, drew somebody that I've known for a very long time. Drew is a very good guy. Um, and if you are a stardom person, uh, like I said, it's called stardom cast. I'm not saying to add that to the list of podcasts, but I'm just giving him his one plug there. You know, absolutely. Um, we mentioned the LVAC show is sold out. Can't see it. Sorry. You'll just have to hear us talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, We got one more match to go uh, to be officially announced, and that's the big eight-person match, which is a staple of an LVAC show. Um, I'm excited. We're less than two weeks away from that. We're less than a week away. What the hell am I saying? It's next Saturday. Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm ready to go. A week and two days. A little bit more than a week. Um, And also, if you want to help us out, obviously, you can make uh, any of your eBay purchases uh, through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, When you click on links to various merchants on this site to make a purchase, this can result in the site earning a commission. Affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay Partner Network. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sorry, it
1: stuck up on me that time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's all we got and t- except for the one big spot at the end of the show, your spot. Absolutely, roll it up. money, money, money,
4: money, money.
1: Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vanski. All right, before we get to your probably laundry list of purchases, I think it's, uh, it's, I would be remiss if we did not bring up the nitro entrance, the The thing that I said was never going to happen, but you were like last week. You're like, it's going to get to 5000 And I was like, no, Joe, it's not. And you're like, it definitely will. Um, Obviously, check the tapes. That's what happened. But (laughs) over the past week, I went back and I actually listened to weekly purchases from last week to see where it was when we recorded. Mm -hmm. And last week when when we recorded, we set on air 34% which, if I do the math, came out to 1,700 people, approximately, give or take a couple. But we said 34% funded. And now a full week
0: later, Joe, drum roll, where are we at? Well, okay, so here's what I'm going to say. Before we recorded, (laughs) I loaded the site, okay? Yeah. Now, I'm going to hit refresh. Do you think this number that we're seeing here is going to go up from where it was? 2 hours ago, is it going to go down, which it has been, or is it going to stay the same? Well, I will tell you before you hit refresh. I pulled the numbers
1: at around 6:37 o'clock, and okay. the number I have written down is the exact same number you have on your screen as well. So I just want to say that.
0: All right. Yeah. Oh, it went up 1. <laughs> so it's currently at 2021.
1: Yeah, so from 34% funded to 40% funded, once again, I am right. It's not getting funded. You are wrong. Uh
0: (laughs) Now, what's the thing that you showed us before we started recording that they are going to uh, try to entice people? They are going to add one of the other three or four figures in automatically for the 5,000 backers to try to get people to get on board with this.
1: Yeah, so I saw in the major group that Steve Ozer, who I guess is part of the product development guys at Mattel, has a thing on his Instagram showing the Nitro stage with the Ray figure and then a big question mark next to it. And it says it's going to be announced tomorrow at like noon Eastern, something like that. Um, And Kevin Ford pointed out that they ran a poll asking people, hey, if we gave you a figure... You know, with the initial 5,000, you know, no pre order or no like early bird bonus or anything like that, who would you like to see? And overwhelmingly, Scott Steiner won that poll. So I didn't see that. Kevin showed it to me. Um, So I guess the implication is that part of the base 5,000 would be Ray plus maybe Steiner.
0: Yeah, I, before I saw the thing about the poll, I had postulated, postulated that it was going to be the Hogan. Uh, but if the fan vote says Scott Steiner, it's Scott Steiner. It ain't going to get funded.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I joked before, but like I last week, I was under the impression because it was doing a decent pace, mm-hmm. you know, and it just came to a screeching halt. Probably like we we talked last week that like Friday was the deadline for the early bird, and so many people not only stopped. Funding it, but also, you know, went and canceled their order, uh, which caused it to go backwards just over a fucking Hogan. Like, there's nine other ultimate Hogans. Like, why would you care about that one? It's the other ones. But, yeah, I am firmly flipping my opinion. Uh, It's not getting made. And I'm kind of glad that's not because I don't have the money or the space for it. More concerned is the space, to be honest with you. But uh, it's not happening. I'm firmly. I apologize. I was wrong. It's not happening.
0: And I I don't think it helps matters that publicly, early in the run, Broski was such an asshole about it and then had to walk it back in the podcast. And (laughs) I'll say in the last week, there's been little to no publicity from the major wrestling podcast social media about it. You know, if you remember when the the new gen ring came out, it was like like three tweets a day about it. Yeah, and they had
1: the guys from Mattel on the podcast, didn't they, to talk about it or a special episode or...
0: If there's a, so if there was a special episode new gen,
1: no for the new gen
0: yeah for the new gen ring yeah yeah oh yeah yeah they they had those guys on um but I think it, when the major wrestling figure podcast comes out like you could hear like Broski the defeat in Broski's voice um I don't know if he's blaming himself for this but I hope he does blame himself for the failure of this ring
1: Well I mean if he does cause this ring to fail. He can always go home, and he has Steph Delander's shoulder to cry on.
0: Ooh. <laughs> oh boy! <huh? laughs> I'm not touching that one. Um. Anyways, Joe, did you buy anything this week? Um, hey, just real quick, as um weekly purges is they don't technically oh. count as purges, is, only because these are screenshots that are getting uh saved. Um, and it's more for the wrestling, uh, or for the, more for the comic book podcast. Um, Very long story short, too late. Um, The Rob, a.k.a. Rob Liefeld, who if you're a comic book person, you know who that is. And if you don't, you're better off, is doing uh, an exclusive in-store CGC signing in June. And then it was pointed out to me um, about three years ago, all of his negative CGC things, um, Mm -hmm. saying don't participate with them. Um, You know, I don't trust them um i let them know i'm no longer working with them in in any capacity and will never work with them ever um that was three years ago i'm glad they were able to mend their fences uh and i'm sure that fence was mended with money uh but those are screen caps that are not getting deleted nothing else i did have one purchase this week
1: all right i'll do just one or two real quick ones and i'll let you do that one and then i'll finish up cool right
0: yeah. Uh, I
1: did some pre-orders over the last couple days. A lot of stuff got announced. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Funkos, but I bought you know some uh, Indiana Jones Funko Pops. But um, I did pre-order. I don't know if you saw this. There was a McFarlane Toys uh, Big Bad Toy Store black and white flash figure. That yes. Up. Uh, I saw that. I love the box of it. Um, it was limited to 3000 So I like the presentation. I like the repaint of it. Uh, just a cool-looking figure, and it wasn't that expensive, so I pre-ordered one of those. And because I am the Michael Jordan of Cobb Vanth figures collecting, <laughs> uh, I bought the Target-exclusive Star Wars Black Series Cad Bane and Cobb Vanth 2-pack. Uh, oh, okay. I, I like Timothy Oliphant, so like I, I'm up to two Timothy Oliphant figures. So they're both Cobb Vanth. But uh, I saw that, and I hate the fact that it's a windowless box, but uh i had to grab it you know yeah i don't do those windowless boxes yeah and hopefully none of us for not much longer will have to deal with that but uh those were my two pre-orders that i did this week Uh, what did you buy joe
0: this was a kickstarter um i know they claim they don't i don't know when the money goes out but i you know i did it this week um my kid he's 11 youtubers tiktok people that sort of thing uh, there's a YouTuber, I'm not going to ask you if you know who it is. I'm going to just assume that you don't. Uh, Chad Tronic. Uh, <laughs> cool. He cool. He, uh, he developed and helped develop a game that's coming out for the Switch and Steam and a bunch of other p- platforms called Poglins. It's kind of like an Animal Crossing um, Pokemon hybrid-y type game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, my kid sees the videos for it. He wants it. Um, I did the Kickstarter for it. They fully funded it in, like, less than an hour of the Kickstarter going live. Um, and they did a weird thing with the um, – so it was the first time that I had ever seen this in backing a Kickstarter, right? Um, so they're well above their goal of 40000 at 195000 uh, Too bad it's not a next-gen ring
6: <laughs> or the whatever the hell
0: it was. Nitro yeah, right? So I did the one where I get, like, the physical Switch game, right? And then as they go forward, there's extra stuff that's getting added on. It's going to be like, oh, we're going to make the game bigger. We're going to extend some of the add-ons to these other levels and everything else like that, the stretch goals it is, right? Mm -hmm. So when I chose the option that I did, it gave me the option to pick, like, extra add-ons for a different amount because there's bundles where you can get, like... The soundtrack on CD, the soundtrack on vinyl, you can get a plush of the character, you can get the source book, you can get all these things as these bundles, right? But then when you pick, you can then choose to add onto your existing pledge, well... I didn't want the vinyl or the source book, but I want the plush, so I'll pay the extra to add that on. Or, like, I really want the vinyl, but I want three of the vinyls. You could add those on as well. It was the first time that I ever saw that option with a Kickstarter. You know, usually, like, with a Kickstarter, it's like, here's the thing, you buy it, you could get a couple if you want, and that's usually the end of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, the customizability of it's pretty cool. Yeah, you know? yeah,
0: it was very interesting to see. So, um, yeah, yeah, so it's just like they're, they're fully on track um, to do very well. Um, and then it was one of those things where, like, this is the first time that I've done a Kickstarter like this for my kid. So I did it, and I go, all right, it's done. The campaign don't end for another month. And the game comes out next May. And he goes, oh, next May? I go, mm. yeah, <laughs> you know. So having that conversation with an 11-year-old was fun. Yeah, did uh, did uh, Asa ask you
1: why a multi-billion-dollar company like Nintendo is out there groveling for money?
0: Oh uh, no, it's not Nintendo. <laughs> it's it's for it's an independent publisher that's just having their game. Nintendo's actually a lot <laughs> better kidding. letting indie games on their platform. Yeah, um, usually because like they'll do, um, they'll let anyone put a game on their digital store as there's as long as there's not like swearing or hardcore nudity in it. Yeah. Whereas I feel Xbox and PlayStation are a lot more um, limiting as to what you could put in their their digital stores, and this is no different than where you'll see like a digital game, like it's a digital only game, and then they'll do like a limited edition run of like the physical version of the game. No, no, I gotcha. And even though my kid is like, you know, he's digital, right? You know, I'm buying your fucking games. We're getting the physical version. I'm still a physical media guy, you know. Oh, so,
1: I mean, I'm slowly starting to get rid of physical, like, movies, but, like, I will never make the transition to not physically buying a video game. Like, I feel like that's just, right. you're just asking for it there. Yep. All right, anyways, um, one more thing, one or two more things. I made a doll safari this past week to our local Target, my local Target in Scranton, and I'm on my way to the wrestling figure section, and I got stopped by, like, a random end cap. Uh, it was just like a, like, it wasn't like a Star Wars end cap or a Funko or a wrestling end cap. It was just like, here's a bunch of random shit that we don't have a home for. And on there were some, uh, of the target exclusive vintage series figures that look like they're prototypes, you know, the ones that it's like, Oh, it's got a red arm and a pink leg. And you know, it's made to look like yeah. uh, a prototype, but there was one for the Mandalorian. And I had said that I wasn't going to buy vintage series anymore, but it looked cool. So I was like, all right, I want one of these. But because they're randomly assembled, you know, like there's no two. Well, not there's no two. I'm sure there's a, a certain number of combinations. But like you might get one that has like a red head and like a blue arm and a pink torso or whatever. So I'm flipping through. There's like maybe 10 of them on the peg. I'm looking for a color combination that I like. And I finally pick one up. And the reason why I'm telling you about this is because the timing is very important. So I finally grab one off the shelf, start walking over to the wrestling figures, and I see a bunch of ultimates on the shelf. And the first one that I see is the ultimate Razor Ramon Chase. Oh. So I, I immediately grab that. And as that thing is in my hands, another adult collector is making a turn around the, the corner. And he's like, oh man, is that the chase? I'm like, yeah, I just grabbed it. He's like, son of a bitch. So as he's kind of lamenting that I grabbed the chase, I see the ultimate Brad Hart's are there. And there was a bunch of them, but I was like, gotta grab one of those. And then I grabbed an ultimate regular razor Ramon chase and the ultimate AJ styles. So I have this stack of ultimate figures (laughs) and I have the ultimate or I have the vintage series Mandalorian prototype on the top. So my arms are full and I'm just like, this this Mandalorian figure was $13. I should have just, like, I should have stopped at that. But I also was thinking about how if I had taken a moment or two longer picking out the perfect Mando, uh-huh. <laughs> I would have missed out on that chase because I only beat him over there by, like, 30 seconds. Um <laughs> But it was funny because I got the like I said, I got the entire line of ultimates because it was the two different razors and the AJ. I canceled my pre-order that I had made on Target.com for the Hitman. because mm-hmm. uh, obviously I have bird in hand. I don't need the one I pre-ordered. Um, and I, I basically I, I shot out some messages to see if anybody needed a Mr. Hitman. But it was funny, I was talking to the guy for a little bit, and like he says he's he was a big-time collector. He's, like, buys, He's according to him, he says he has every Mattel WWE figure. Like, ever. Okay. Um, and he was, like, you know, giving a lot of information and we're talking and whatever. And I think that, like, he, he mentioned something. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, oh, I think I saw that in the Major Pod group. <gasps> and he's like, what? No, and he's like, what's that? I was like, oh, like, the Major Wrestling Figure podcast? He's like, no, I never heard of it. I was mm-hmm. like, broski and hawkins he's like oh yeah i know who they are but they have a podcast and it was just funny that like this is a guy who's like a diehard wrestling figure collector who just i mean maybe he was working me but it was very convincing (laughs) but like he had no clue uh like about that podcast which you know it's fine but i just kind of odd if you're a big wrestling figure fan that you don't at least it doesn't ring a bell, you know?
0: I, I will say if somebody asked me publicly, I would say that I know Brian Myers has a podcast.
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, it would be like, oh, yeah, that podcast with Smart Mark and uh, and Brian Myers. And Dead Air. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I was glad that I got those ultimates without paying the suckers premium. Sure. And uh, Like I said, I, I broke my rule of getting the another vintage series figure, but it's Mando, so I have to.
0: And and I will say, um, you know, I haven't seen any tweets from you in the last four months that says 2023 is the year of uh, financial responsibility. So uh, spend to your heart's content, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I,
1: somebody might have gotten my account and tweeted that out. Um, but I feel like if you buy a figure at retail price, that is being financially responsible because you're not paying the sucker's premium. That's true. So uh, got me there. Um, one last <laughs> thing I did buy. Uh, and this was in the aforementioned Major pod Facebook group, which I still have been kicked out of yet. So interesting. Uh, is I bought from this month's AEW crate uh, the Claudio Casanoli micro brawler.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So I saw that was like leaked a month or so ago and I was excited about it. And I guess they just are hitting people's hands right now. And somebody put one up for like 20 shipped. I was like, all right, taking it. So yeah,
0: no, no chase or no. Yeah, you said 20 bucks. So no suckers premium on that neither. I mean,
1: honestly, if I wait six months, I could probably get one for fifteen. But you know, whatever. It's twenty dollars. I
0: don't care. Yeah, yeah. Get it now. I get it.
1: Yeah, and I don't think there's a chase because I I think the ones in the AEW crate don't have chases, and it's the ones that are in the standard pro wrestling teas crate that do. Gotcha. That I wasn't sense.
0: sure how that worked. Sure. Yeah.
1: So there's no Claudio chase, but there was a Danielson because Danielson was in like a thing that you could pre-order, and it's it's very wishy-washy with these micro brawlers. But I got a Claudio, so I'm happy. And I'll cool. I'll give you a shout when I see one for like half that price in a couple months.
0: Yeah, I'm out of the Micro Brawler game.
1: <laughs> Says the guy who just who's currently has one on pre-order that I have an email for.
0: Which one is that? Negative 1. Oh, that. Yeah. Okay. Star
1: of WrestleMania Night 2. Oh, negative 1. Oh my one. goodness. Careful now. Yeah, but that's all I got, Joe.
0: All right, cool, awesome. Um, hey, uh, no other preamble here. Thank you very much for uh, listening to episode 237 of Add Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling.